our extra special guest today, just take a second before you leave to fill out this guest card that's in your bulletin, and then take it to the welcome desk, which is in the far right corner of the lobby as you leave the sanctuary, and you can turn it in for a little gift to show our appreciation of you today. This is also our prayer request card. If you guys have a prayer request, fill it out, drop it in the offering plate, or take it to the welcome desk, and our prayer team will be praying with, in agreement with you this week. Uh, today is the last day, if you are graduating high school or college, to turn in all your information online so that we can honor you at our graduation ceremony on June 2nd. So all the information is on this little card here, and you can get on our website, our Facebook page, and upload all that information so that we can honor you at that graduation ceremony. And then next weekend, so May 26th, is Memorial Day weekend. There is only one service. One service next weekend for Memorial Day, 10 o'clock a.m. If you get here at 9, that's great because you're early and you can pray with us early. If you get here at 11, you're going to be late. So just remember that. It is going to be on our Facebook page, posted everywhere, so hopefully you won't forget. And I think they're going to send out a call, too, to remind everybody. Um, and then also continuing our support of the missions trip to Africa this summer. They are selling at the welcome desk um, $4 bookmarks. Each of those will go to plant a tree in Rwanda or at Cindy's Hope because she's also got some places in, I think, Kenya, right? Yeah, Kenya. Um, so a $4 bookmark back at the welcome desk. You actually get to take the bookmark home, and then that goes for planting a tree. And then there are also Bibles available to purchase for $8. And each of those Bibles goes towards literally a Bible that the girls and the guys, too, if they go, are going to hand out to people who have never had a Bible, never even heard the gospel before while they're over there in Rwanda, going to prisons, going home to home, ministering and speaking the word of God. So you people, by purchasing a, a Bible, are being God's hands and feet to bring the gospel to somebody that would have not known it if you had not paid that $8. So you are sowing into eternity every time that you buy this Bible. This is so exciting. What a real way to be a part of the kingdom of God. So all the information is here, and our goal is to reach 500 Bibles by June 9th. We are already at 48 Bibles, all from last week. That is awesome. You guys rock. That is why I love this church. You say yes when God says go. So it is so awesome to be part of this church. Also, um, May 31st, Trivia Night, guys, this is also a great um, way to raise money for the missions trip. So much fun. Sign up online. Um, let Cindy or um, Carrie know your teams, and they'll get you a table set up, and you guys will be good to go and show off your smarts. And then real quick, Dave Smith wants to come up, and the golf outing is coming up, so he's going to speak a little bit more about that. Thank you, Megan. Yeah, just real quick, like, like Megan said, the golf outing is coming up. The annual... Lamb of God Fellowship Golf Outing. Yes. Woo! Everybody getting excited? I don't hear enough excitement out there. But, but here, yes. It, but here's even the more exciting part of it. You know, always in the past, we've always had this to help our youth, youth group. And this year, it's going to be extra special because we're starting a new program at Lamb of God Fellowship. And it's going to be scholarships for those students from Lamb of God Fellowship that go on to colleges and universities from Christian-based colleges and universities, and we can help them. What Pastor Tim found out in, you know, with his experience is that a lot of these universities, Christians, colleges, and universities, if uh, the church gives out a scholarship, the university will match it. So we want to help those that choose to go to a Christian college or university go and experience that and bring that back to us, right? Bring it back to the world, right? So, you didn't get really excited about the golf outing, but now you got something to get excited about <laughs> is the scholarships, right? And, and there's lots of ways you can sign up. There's back at the welcome desk, there's sign-up sheets for teams. You can actually also go online, and there's sign-ups for teams and registrations, so we're going to have great prizes. Kelly wanted me to tell you that we're going to have great prizes, door prizes for everybody that golfs. I mean, things like a 50-inch television, sporting events, tickets, you know, gift cards, things like that. It's going to be so I'm bribing you to get a team together and, and come golf because it is a four-person scramble, so you don't even have to be a golfer. That's the beauty part of it. My greatest memories, memories, they're not even that distance, but it's when my family took me my family took me golfing. Now think about this. It's the day before Father's Day. You have a father someplace that would love for you to take them golfing, right? 
And, it, and it's a scramble. You just hit the best ball. So it, it's sign up now. We need people to start signing up. There's an opportunity for sponsors to sign up um, on that same web page, or there's extra sponsor sign-up sheets, or you can get a hold of me or Bill Turner if you need any help. We will help you. I will even give you free lessons. They're not good lessons, but they're good free lessons if you want some help. <laughs> All right. So let's, let's get that moving. Thank you very much. And now, Pastor Tim, you can take it away. Right. Awesome. <laughs> and I, I, uh, I want to highly recommend everyone to take those lessons from Dave because I want to win this year. So <laughs> please do. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's awesome. Today, I want to play a game. Let's play a game. You guys ready for a game? All right, here's the game. It's called, If I Only Knew Then What I Know Now. Oh, if I only knew then what I know now. Let's take 30 seconds. Think about something. Think about something specifically, and I'm going to ask you to share it with somebody next to you. If I only knew then what I know now, what would you share with somebody uh, about that? Take a second. If you got something, share it with somebody. If I only knew then what I know now, go ahead. You do, 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 do. Share, share something you've learned, something you wish you would have known. All right. Well, I want to talk about Proverbs again today. And uh, throughout, throughout whatever, the, 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 the uh, near future, uh, I will sprinkle in a message on Proverbs. Because uh, I started a, a message on it a, a couple weeks ago. And... Uh, it's, I'm calling this series, which is just going to be intermittently shared throughout the year, uh, Your Smart Guide for Living. Your Smart Guide for Living. And we talked about the fear of the Lord, how important it is to, to, the, to fear the Lord, to respect and honor God, to know that his word is real, it's alive, it's powerful, it's the final answer, it's, it's truth, it directs us, it anchors us. And to, to fear the Lord is not to be afraid of the Lord, it's to have a holy regard, a holy respect so that when he speaks, you listen and you follow because it's coming from him and you understand who he is. And so the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so today, I want to talk about a different topic out of Proverbs called prosperity. I want to give you 10 principles of prosperity. How many of you are glad that God actually wants you to prosper in life? Isn't that awesome? God wants you to be successful. He wants you to prosper, and there's a reason uh, for that, which we'll get to today, but when I think about if I only knew then what I know now, I really want to highlight all of our young people here today, okay? Young people, this is so important for you because you don't have to have a lot of, uh, a lot of things later in life where you can say, boy, I wish I would have known that. If you will begin to listen to God's word, begin to read and study the Proverbs, you'll have so much wisdom in life that you won't be the person that says 20 years from now, boy, I wish I would have known then what I know now. I would have done this a lot different. I would have done that a lot different. I wouldn't be in the mess I'm in right now. If you will follow God's word at a young age, you will, you will prosper in life. You will avoid so many uh, you know, bad decisions and bad mistakes and, and, and problems in life if you will proactively study God's word, memorize it, think about it, in, incorporate it into your attitudes, into your decisions, into the way that you view this world. So young people, please read the book of Proverbs. Read one chapter every day for the rest of your life. And whatever day it is on the calendar, read that chapter, meditate on it. You will be a wise person. Um, I was reading this morning, today's the 19th, right? So I was reading this morning Proverbs chapter 19. And uh, boy, it didn't take me long to find something worth thinking about. Uh, verse 8, let me find it real quick. It says this He who gets wisdom loves his own soul. He who cherishes understanding pro uh, prospers. And, and the Bible over and over again just says, Get this thing called wisdom, find it, cherish it. In verse 20 of uh, chapter 19, it says, listen to advice and accept instruction, and in the end, you'll be wise. If you listen, if you, if you are coachable, instructable. Um, and then I was, uh, recently I was with a, with a group of people, and there's a person, it, was a, it, wasn't, a, it wasn't a really good day for this person, um, and not to get into too many details, 
they were lamenting uh, very emotionally about how unlucky they were. And they made this comment like, I've had bad luck for the last two and a half years. It's just like bad luck, bad luck. And, and, I, was, and I, I didn't know them that well, but uh, I knew enough about them uh, to, think, to think differently about the situation. Um, and here's what Proverbs 19 says that kind of reminded me of that. In verse uh, 3, it says, A man's own folly ruins his life, yet his heart rages against the Lord. In other words, they blame God. The way that we live our life matters, okay? And uh, a lot of people who are in the world who are not serving God, who are not following after him, who are not collecting wisdom, who are not aligning their lives with God's ways, they're just winging it. They're just making decisions. They're doing what they feel. And, and then they interpret the consequential feedback or, or kickback in their life as bad luck or God doesn't care about me, or God doesn't listen to me, and they, they, they're mad. They're mad at the world. They're mad at luck. They're mad at God. And, uh, and the Bible describes this kind of situation very clearly over and over again because, because this is truth. This is like a light to, to how to live life and how to prosper, and so many people ignore it. One of the early chapters in Proverbs talks about wisdom calling out in the streets, raising her voice at the city square, saying, listen to me, listen to me, wisdom, shouting out, and yet people are just passing by and ignoring it. And, uh, and this is God's wisdom to us. How many of you are glad that God has poured out wisdom to us that if we will listen and receive, we will truly prosper in life? And, and we are to prosper in such a way, like these spotlights are shining, that our lives are supposed to be like a, a spotlight of the Lord's blessing upon our lives in a dark world that says there's a distinctiveness about us, not because we're better, not, nothing to do with that, but because we're following God and God's ways work. God's blessing is upon me, not because I'm special, but because, I'm, I, because of the grace of God and my humility to follow him, not my own way, to, to not do it on my own. Uh, Proverbs 19.16, all these are just from today's proverb. Proverbs 19.16 says, he who obeys instructions guards his life. He who obeys instructions guards his life. And then, as the Proverbs always do, there's a contrast to that. But he who is contemptuous of his ways will die. Uh, Proverbs 19.23, the fear of the Lord leads to life. And it says, then one rests content, untouched by trouble. Doesn't that sound cool? As you follow God, there's something called the favor of God that follows you. That's what you want. And so we're looking at Proverbs, and I'm talking to the young people for another second here. Read the book of Proverbs. Study the book of Proverbs. And submit yourself to God's instruction and God's advice, and you will prosper. This is the way to life. Um, this book is not outdated. This is still working today, okay? So let's talk about prosperity prosperity. Let's talk about that. And I've got 10 principles of prosperity for you this morning. I don't know if we'll get to them all, but you do have them all listed in your notes. And we cannot talk about prosperity without jumping on the number one most important principle of prosperity, and that is to bring the tithe and, the off and, and give the offerings to God. Okay? So I'm going to talk about that briefly with you. This is the key in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. To bring the first of all of your increase, to bring the best of your increase, is to recognize that God is in charge of my life. He is the one through whom I am blessed. He is the one who has given me these, these things. And it says your barns will be filled to overflowing. And I said to my wife this week, the Lord has blessed us because my barns are overflowing. My barn is packed. You can't even walk in it. It's so full. <laughs> and she's like, that's not the Lord's blessing. <laughs> I'm like, the Lord has blessed us. My garage is full. My barns are full. There's no place to put the bikes. We're running. I got to build a bigger barn. <laughs> she's like, no, we just got to clean the barn. <laughs> All right, but you know what this is talking about, right? Now, tithing, I want to explain this very quickly. Tithing is 
the recognition that God is your source of life and that everything that you have has come from him. Tithing is placing your trust in God, not yourself or your money, to provide everything that you need in life. Okay, tithing is a consistent protection against the attitude of self-sufficiency uh, and of greed um, and of pride. To constantly come before God every time that I receive a, a paycheck, for instance, in my, in my job, I get a, a paycheck, and when I get that money, it, if I recognize every single time that I have gained increase that it came from God, that's a, that's a humility factor, and I offer it back to God as a, as a part of my worship and thanksgiving, that that's a trust factor, and it's not me, I'm relying on God, and every time that happens, it's a reminder, hey, this isn't me, this is from God. And now all the rest is blessed of God, and it's also to be used for his purposes, not just for me. It's, I'm a steward, I'm not an owner. God's the owner, I'm the steward, and so are you. And so that's why God gave us this, this thing called tithing, because Jesus talked about money more than he talked about anything else, because it, takes, it, it tries to take the place of God. It tries to say, I'll take care of you, trust in me, trust in me, trust in money, trust in me. I'll give you everything you want. I'll give you peace, I'll give you love, I'll give you joy, and you run down that trail long enough, you find out it's a liar. Money doesn't give you peace and love and security and joy. Only God gives you those things. And so Jesus talked about that and that, that tendency that we have to gravitate towards money or gravitates towards stuff to make us happy or to fill us up. It doesn't do it. So um, the other part of this is offerings. Offerings are above and beyond tithing, and offerings come from the heart in response to seeing a need that God puts on your heart and you want to respond to that. Maybe it's a, a need in the church like buying a bookmark or buying um, a Bible because you have a, a heart that says, oh, I want to provide a Bible for someone who doesn't have a Bible in Kenya or Rwanda. I want to do that. So you give an offering. You get an offering of $8. Or you say, I want to buy 10 Bibles. So you give an offering of $80. That's not the tithe. That's your heart being moved saying, I want to, be, I want to meet that need. Or maybe the church is doing something and we, we, we announce something and we're trying to, like, in a, in a next year, we're going to actually put in a new parking lot. That's something that is one of our goals. You know, like, I want to help meet that need. So I'm going to give sacrificially an offering to help make that need possible because a good parking lot's needed for people to come and park and all that stuff, right? Somebody gave so that you could sit in that nice, comfortable chair. You know, someone gives to keep the lights on. Uh, and, and the tithe is used for most of that, but sometimes there's special times where we give above and beyond because God moves upon our heart. We see a need, we're like, I want to be a part of that. I want to make that happen. Now, here's the deal about tithing. Tithing removes the curse of our self-sufficiency, of self-sufficiency. It removes the curse of us providing for ourselves, and it releases God's blessing upon our lives, Offerings is a little different. Offerings unlock the multiplication of the law of sowing and reaping. You know how Jesus taught about that? He said, give and what? It'll be given to you. With the measure that you give, it will be given to you. Multiplied, pressed down, shaken together, running over, it will come into your lap. And so Jesus says there's a multiplication factor to sowing and reaping. I was out driving around last night, saw a lot of farmers out tilling their lands. Tractors everywhere. I had to wait for a couple of them, you know, uh, driving down the road. And uh, Eli was like, oh, look, they're doing this. And I said, yeah, they're going to plant seeds. He said, I would just dump the bag. You know, I'm like, well, they don't just do that, son. It's kind of cool. They, somehow they, they got these machines and they plant them perfectly in rows. You remember how all that corn comes up in these perfect rows? He's like, yeah. I'm like, I think that's pretty cool. And then it's easier for the machine to harvest all that. But when you put a kernel in the ground like farmers are getting ready to do, that thing multiplies. It multiplies. And there's a law called sowing and reaping. And when we give offerings, it multiplies and comes back to us. Luke 6, 38, that's what Jesus says. Give and it'll be given to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. And when, when they were in the, in the markets, what they would do is they'd have like a sack, or maybe even if I, I untuck my shirt, you know, a big, old, a big old belly, you know, sack or basket. And you would, you would get a, a measure of wheat or a measure of corn or a measure of something in the market, and you would put it in there, and they would shake it, 
and pour some more and shake it, get it all packed in there. If you've ever done that with a coin jar, shake that coin jar, get a couple more pennies in there, quarters, you know, shake it again. And they would shake it, pack it, shake it, pack it until it's running over. That's a good measure. So Jesus says, it's going to be returned to you. It's going to be multiplied to you. So the first principle in, prosper, in prosperity is realizing everything belongs to God. It all belongs to him. It all comes from him. I'm a steward. And if I realize that, now I can unlock the blessings of God because I see myself as a conduit of heaven, not a consumer of the earth. I'm not a, I'm not a consumer on the earth. I am a conduit of the blessing of God to this world. God has always wanted to pull his people aside, to shine a spotlight on them and say, this is what it looks like when my children follow me and trust in me. This is the blessing that I pour out on my kids. Look at them and look at me. And Jesus said it this way, let your light shine in such a way that others will see your good deeds and glorify your Father who's in heaven. There should be a light emanating from the way that you live your life because you're following God and God's blessing is upon you. His favor surrounds you. The work of your hands is blessed. Where you walk, that land is blessed because you are prospering under the almighty hand of God because you see yourself as a conduit of his blessing to the earth, not as a consumer and a collector of earthly things. You have to have this mindset. You have to change and shift your mindset. True prosperity is not how much you collect. It's how much you are able to give. How much impact your life leaves. Are you a conduit? Can God just keep pouring, pouring, and pouring more through your hands? Or does it stop with you and you just, oh, boop, 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 and, get boop, 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 and just plop down? You know what I'm saying? God wants some conduits. And that's prosperity. Prosperity is how big of a blessing are you going to be to this world? God, I always say it this way. We are blessed to be a blessing. If you understand the, the reason for prosperity, the reason for biblical prosperity is so that you would be the hands and feet of God on the earth. You would be the blessing wherever you go. That wisdom becomes a blessing. Your wisdom, God's wisdom flowing out of you in your company, in your council meeting, in your classroom, on your sports team, the wisdom of God flows out of you and everyone's blessed because you're following God and the wisdom of God is there and you're influencing the environment that you're around and that's a blessing. The blessing as you see a need and you can, you can give because you're not in poverty. You're following the Lord and he says you will be able to give and you'll be able to meet these needs, and I will continue to bless you, and you'll have everything you need to eat, and I'll give you more to give. And that's what he says in Corinthians chapter 9. And so that this is what I'm talking about. It's the mindset that God wants us to have, that we have a, a home in heaven. Our focus is on eternity. It's not on earth. And when we do that, then God can trust us and bless us and flow through us. All right, does that make sense? All right, so Malachi chapter 3 verse 8. Through 11 says, uh, we've heard this before, but I'm just going to read through it real quick. Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, in our situation, into the local church, right? That there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Now, just a lot of things in here. I'm just going to say very quickly, what God is saying is the tithe belongs to me. I'm going to give you $100, and I want you to give me 10 back. I'm going to give you $1,000, I want you to give me 100 back. I'm going to give you $10,000, I want 1,000 back. Why? Because God doesn't want you to think it was yours. God wants you to remember, oh, thank you, God, thank you. It's yours. This is yours. He says, the tithe is mine. And when you just return that and you're recognized by worship, Lord, all that I have is from you. I didn't create this wealth. I, I didn't make this happen. You have blessed me. I worship you. I honor you. And I trust you to provide everything I need in the future. I'm not trusting my employer. I'm not trusting the stock market. I'm not trusting my, my farm. I'm not trusting my, you know, whatever, the government. I'm trusting in you. All of that, then God blesses the 
okay? And then as you begin to use the 90%, as God moves upon your heart, and you see a need, and, you, and you're living a generous lifestyle, and you meet that need, God provides more, and it multiplies, and God takes care of you, okay? So God says, if you are self-sufficient, you don't trust in him enough to return to him the tithe, to recognize that he's your source, then you're under a curse. None of your 90% is blessed. None of your 100% is blessed. It's under a curse. There's a devourer. It will just disappear, dissipate. It won't produce fruit. So the tithing reverses the curse. Offerings kind of kick in the multiplication, but the blessing of God is twofold. It's the blessing and it's the protection. You see how he said, I will prevent the, the, the pests from coming and devouring your land. In other places, yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, rain will be in the season of your land. The land will produce for you. Uh, things will go well for you because you're trusting in me. And so God puts a, a, a favor bubble around you. It's pretty cool. So here's what tithing is. The tithe belongs to God. And uh, there's three things biblical tithing is, okay? First, it's the first portion of your increase. Secondly, it's the best. And thirdly, it's 10%. That's what biblical tithing is. The first, best, 10% of your increase. That's what biblical tithing is, okay? And so the first, the best, and uh, the 10% of all increase. And then you are under God's blessing. Deuteronomy 8 says this, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. Aren't I something? Aren't I something? Boy, I, I am so clever. I closed the deal. I came up with that idea. I worked my tail off. Man, I did it. That, that, I earned this. And God says this, but remember the Lord your God. It is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And as you remember, it says, and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to his ancestors as it is today. God says, do not consider that it was your power, your strength, your great idea, your charisma that, that caused this blessing Let's see how you do if I just take the breath I give you every day. Let me just take that back. Let's see how you do. How are you going to do? I mean, it's, it's no, there's no question here. Are you trusting in the Lord or are you trusting in yourself? Okay, that's what tithing and offerings and all that stuff is all about. Now, some people would argue or disagree with the legitimacy of tithing. They would say that it should be set aside. It's an Old Testament outdated principle. That's fine, that, that, that whatever, doesn't bother me. The Old Testament is the shadow in the New Testament is the substance. Okay, if the shadow is 10%, what do you think the substance is? 100%. Jesus said, nah, you don't, don't give 10%, give your life. He says, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? He says, I'll tell you how to have life. If you, if you try to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life, you lay your life down for me and the kingdom, you will find it. Everything in the Old Testament that's a shadow, Jesus blows up with real substance. He says, that's just a, that was just a, a, that was just training wheels. That was just to get you started to understand that God is everything to you. Now that I'm here, I want you to love like God, like I'm loving you. Give, give your life away. Lay it all down. He put it this way. Don't seek after all this stuff that, that, that can spoil and people can steal from you and that collect rust and it's going to fade away. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things that you, you need, they'll be taken care of. Seek first the kingdom. You see what I'm saying? So I don't care what your view is of Old Testament tithing or not. What I know is New Testament is 100%. I'm all yours, God. So for me, this is my personal conviction. It's my personal practice. Tithing is a baseline for me. I've always tithed since I learned this when I was really little. So that's the baseline. That, that's just a normal thing, and it's not a religious thing for me. It is every single time, God, thank you. You've blessed me. I'm looking to you. You are my provision and I'm going to do that. That's just me. I'm doing that. I'm doing that all the time. And then from there, that's my baseline. Then from there, I want to be attentive to how God wants me to live my life. And, and I give offerings, and if I see a need and God moves on my heart, well, we do something about it because it's all God's. 
It's all God's. And so that's how I do things, uh, and, and, uh, and God has blessed me, and that's how I believe uh, you should do things too if you want to be prosperous, okay? Now, um, I think about the paradox of, of salvation. You know, when someone is coming to church for the first time or if I'm talking with somebody about salvation, it's really a paradox for me. It's really awkward if you think about it. I'm, I'm appealing to somebody's self-preservation when I say they need God. You need to be saved. You're like, yeah, I want to be saved. I don't want to die. Yes, I want, I want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. Yes, I want my sins forgiven. Yes, so I'm appealing to self-preservation and as soon as they bite the bait, then I say, now you got to give up and surrender self-preservation. Right? Jesus, surrender it all. It's such a weird message to preach. It's so hard. It's like you're trying to lure someone in and then say, oh, well, by the way, you're actually supposed to give your whole life up. And if you give your whole life up, then you'll actually find life. It's such a paradox. It's the same thing with this. Prosperity is such a paradox. You know, because we all want to prosper. Oh, yeah, I want to prosper. Sure, I want to prosper. How do I prosper? Well, it's a paradox. Okay? Because to prosper in the kingdom... You, you, you have to not want to prosper. I mean, what I mean by that is you have to release the resources. You have to have an attitude of, of a conduit, not a collector. And you have to, have to see that all of it's coming from God. And so to be prosperous, you actually have to open your hands and heart. You have to be a giver and a releaser of the resources that God has put in your hands. And then you will prosper. It's a paradox. To, to, to gain in the kingdom, you have to give. But if you give in order to gain, you won't gain. It's so, it's so strange. It's so awkward, but it's so awesome when you trust in God because your brain doesn't like this conversation. Your brain, it doesn't make sense. I don't get it. What do you mean? All right, so I want to go into some of these other principles with you. I won't spend as much time on the rest, but listen, the very first and most important thing you need to do if you want to prosper in your, in your life is you need to honor the Lord with your tithes and your offerings. You need to be a giver. You need to, you need to trust in the Lord, not yourself. God will provide for you if you trust him. He told you, he tells me, test me and I will show you, even if you're afraid, because most people are afraid of this. He says, test me, let me show you, trust me and he will release his blessing upon your life, okay? All right, prosperity principle number two is to be generous. Be others-focused, not me-focused. Proverbs 22.9 says, the generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. Proverbs 11, 24 to 25, one person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. You see the paradox? The one who gives, more is given. The one who hoards, it's taken away. Isn't that strange? But this is the wisdom of God. To be generous is, is a way for you to prosper. To be blessed, to be a blessing. Proverbs 28, 22 says, the stingy are eager to get rich and, un and are unaware that poverty awaits them. The Bible says stingy people end up poor. Generous people end up rich. So you should be asking yourselves, am I a generous person or am I stingy? Right? Because the Bible says be generous. So this is like your smart guide to smart living, right? To good living, right? All right. It's very practical. Are you generous? Okay, principle number three, live debt-free. Whoa, oh, wait a minute. Live debt-free? That's un-American. <laughs> It's un-American to live debt-free. Okay, Proverbs 22.7 says, the rich rule over the poor. The borrower is slave to the lender. The borrower is a slave to the lender. If you have borrowed money, you are a slave to the one you have borrowed from. You owe them. You owe them. You have to work for them. You have to go to work, work hard to get a paycheck to pay somebody else. That's called slavery. Debt is a slave institution, okay? So what happens, where does most of our debt come from? Most of our debt, in America at least, comes from our greed, our appetite. We want what we want before we can afford it, but a credit card or a loan makes it possible for us to get it now and uh, 
really sell our, our future. We sell our future for the now, for the appetite of now. I want it now. So I will, I, even though I don't have money, I can, I can borrow money. So I'll borrow money. I will borrow my future. I will sell the next five years or 10 years of my life. I'll sell my life to become a slave to this giant TV or this brand new car or this swimming pool because I want it. I want it now. And so instead of buying the swimming pool, you get one swimming pool and you pay for three. Okay, so that's, that's what debt does. It robs you. Your appetite, your greed, your, your desires, our desires. We get into debt because of our, our appetite and we become a slave and we're no longer serving God. We're serving our appetite. We're not free to do whatever God says. We have obligations. We have to go to work to pay for, you know, our appetite. You see what I'm saying? The Bible says live debt-free. On the rock when you leave today, you'll see Romans 13.8. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. God only wants you to be enslaved to loving people. Doesn't want you to be enslaved uh, to your appetite. So the wisdom of the Bible, young people, please listen to this. Live debt-free. We're a debt-free church. Praise God. We're a debt-free church. For the last uh, 11, uh, 11 years, we have paid zero, not a penny, to any interest or any loan. And we have been supporting missionaries in India for the last 11 years with the money that we were using to pay a loan on this building. Last 11 years, all the money has been going, that we used to pay the bank, has been going to India to reach souls and build the kingdom. So I think that's a pretty good trade-off. Pretty awesome. Now, young people, you are to live debt-free. This is God's wisdom. It is not the world's way, but it is God's way, and it will lead you to prosperity. Now, um, just to say this real quick, because I don't want to get anybody confused, uh, in terms of houses, you know, I have a different view of that. I have some mentors of mine, too, and Pastor Dwayne Vanderclock, many of you know him from Granville. He says, in terms of houses, you should, you should try to limit your house, your purchase of your house, to whatever you can afford and pay off in seven years. That's his advice. Because of the scripture, you look at seven years, every seven years, you know, the debt is erased. He said, if you just limit yourself to buy a house that you can pay off in seven years, then in seven years, you want a bigger house, you use the equity in that house, you get another seven-year loan on a different house. But you're always free every seven years, even from that debt. Other than that, no debt. That's, that's the wisdom of, of the word, okay? So you try to put that into practice, and you will prosper. There's a corollary to this. The corollary to this principle is do not co-sign for someone else's debt. I'm just saying it's in the Bible. A lot of people do this and get in trouble, and the Bible says don't do it. Just don't do it. Why? Because someone else has put themselves in that position, and they've made decisions, and now you're going to put yourself in their position, and now you're going to pay the price for their decisions. The Bible says don't do it. Don't, don't co-sign for someone else's debt. All right, Proverb number tw- uh, principle, prosperity principle number four, live righteously. What does that mean, to live righteously? It means to live right. It means to follow God's word. When you follow God's word and you do what God's word says, you will be prosperous, okay? So you want to know what God's word says so that you can align your life with it and you'll be prosperous. Proverbs 15, 6 says, the house of the righteous contains great treasure, but the income of the wicked brings ruin. So if you are a person who is godly, you're seeking after God, you're living for God, the Bible says you will be blessed. You're making the right choices. You're following God's word. Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 28, an Old Testament verse, is pretty awesome. It says, be careful to obey all these regulations I'm giving you so that it may always go well with you and your children after you. God says, I'm not giving you these, these principles and commands so that I'm the boss and I have all this power trip and I'm in control 
He's like, I'm giving you this so that if you follow them, it will always go well with you and your children after you. Because you're setting the example, they grow up, they see you doing things right, they replicate what they've seen and grown up in, and it will go well with them too because they're honoring God. We're gonna, this is how we do things in our family. This is how we do things in our home. Why? Because we're trusting in God, and God is blessing us. Our kids go, oh, yeah, and they learn from our example, and hopefully they follow the Lord too, and it goes well with them and with their children, and that's how you build a legacy. Anything in your life right now that's out of order, you should be very diligent to try to get it in order as quickly as possible so you can pass on a legacy of life, not a legacy of bondage or brokenness. You want to break the chains of wrong thinking, of, uh, of wrong living, and pass on healthy thoughts, healthy patterns uh, to your kids and your grandkids, okay? It's never too late to make a change and to break a chain for your legacy. There's a corollary to this. Wisdom leads to wealth. Proverbs chapter 8, 17 and 18 says, I love those who love me. Wisdom is talking here. Wisdom says, I love those who love me. And those who seek me, they're going to find me. And with me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. Wisdom says, you look for me, you're going to find me. And I love, I love people who love me. I mean, I treat the people who love me, I treat them well. They will walk in honor and riches, and wealth, and prosperity. When you follow wisdom, when you seek wisdom, when you take God's truth and, you in, and begin to just live it out, you will be blessed, okay? Uh, and here's the opposite, Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. There are people among us who just stiff arm God's wisdom, stiff arm instruction. I don't wanna hear it. I got my own way. I'm gonna do it my way. And the Bible says that's, that's foolishness. And it leads to poverty. It leads to a lot of other things. Okay, principle number five. Be just and be fair. If you want to be prosperous, you need to be just and fair in your dealings with people, okay? Proverbs twenty two sixteen says, the one who oppresses the poor to increase his wealth and the one who gives gifts to the rich both come to poverty. Giving gifts to the rich is an, a, an analogy of bribing somebody, bribing somebody to get, get your way. Whether you're a politician or whether you're just out in life and you, you do things to get your way, uh, God says those things are unjust, they're unfair. Uh, when you oppress people to gain wealth from them, if you have any unrighteous earning, dishonest gain, if you're a business person or you have some influence and you're lying or cheating or taking advantage of others to gain money, God says that's not cool with him. That's gonna lead to poverty. God does not like dishonest gain. He doesn't like you taking advantage of people. He doesn't like unfair balances, unfair prices, unfair deals, uh, to take advantage of the poor, to tax or oppress the poor so that you can personally gain from it, to make a policy or decision if you're a person of influence that will take advantage of somebody so that you are more prosperous. All of those things, all of that stuff is unjust and it's unfair and it's the opposite of what God wants you to do. God wants you to be generous and kind and merciful and loving. He wants you to benefit those around you, not rob from those around you. Can I get an amen from anybody? Companies that are unjust are on God's hit list. People who oppress the poor, God doesn't like that. God really doesn't like that, okay? Proverbs 28.8 says, whoever increases wealth by taking interest or profit from the poor amasses it for someone else who will be kind to them. God says, I will take it from you and I will give it to somebody with the right heart who will be kind to the poor and take care of my people. That's pretty, pretty important. So if, you, if you're not prospering in your life because you have some bad business practices or you're not a fair boss or you're not paying fair wages or you're taking advantage of people to get more money, that's why you need change of practices. God's against that, absolutely against it. It's wrong. In our world, we have unjust companies. We've had unjust and unfair companies and policies, and we still have some. And when they are unjust, God's against it. It's not cool. So are you fair? Are you just in your dealings with others? Um, those are some good questions to be asking. Okay, prosperity principle number six. Be kind to the poor. Proverbs 28, 7, 27 says, those who give to the poor will lack nothing. 
Isn't this awesome? But those who close their eyes to them will receive many curses. Proverbs 19, 17, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them for what they have done. When you help someone who's poor, God says, you're, you're lending to me. I'll pay you back. I'll pay you back because that's what I'm all about, taking care of people, loving people, watching out for the little guy. Uh, Deuteronomy 15 says this in verse 10 and 11, give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed toward your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy in your land. And we have a very generous church. And I commend you for this. And I just want to say it's a very godly thing to be kind-hearted to the poor, to be open-handed and generous, even when, when they can't pay you back, even when they, we don't get anything out of it. That's not what this is about. It's God's heart to take care of the needy and the poor. Amen? Amen. Right, I'm just trying to encourage you here. Prosperity number seven, shun laziness. Do not be lazy, be diligent. There's kind of two different um, broad worldviews that I've seen Christians have, okay, with, with regards to this prosperity. One is God, God can do anything he wants anytime, and I'm just going to wait for the lottery. I'm waiting to win the lottery. I'm waiting for God to come through. I'm waiting for the miracle to happen. I'm just going to sit here and wait for God to show up. Oh, God, come on, bring it. Come on, God. Let's go. Come on, God. Come on. All right? That's one. The other perspective is uh, that, oh, here are some principles that God has given me. Here are some commands with promises. And so, oh, if I put this word into practice, put this word into action, it unlocks and unleashes the promises of God. Okay, teach me. Help me. I want to do that. Now, which one do I believe? Both, actually, both. God can do anything he wants, anytime. I believe in a miracle-working God. And God shows up, and he does amazing things. However, we need to be doing both. We need to be diligent to pursue what God's truth already is. If God says to be kind to the poor, I need to make sure I'm kind to the poor. If God says, get to work, I'm a, I need to make sure I'm working. God says, don't be lazy, don't sit around. If you sit around, you're lazy, you don't even deserve to eat. Okay, I'm going to start working. All right, so it's both. It's both. Like uh, one person once said, God can't steer a parked car, right? So get it, get moving. Get, get going. Get working on what God has already shown you to do, and God's blessing will, will follow you. And so let's believe for miracles, but also let's believe that if I put into practice the truth of God's word, that I'm going to have a breakthrough right there. I'm going I'm to pursue the promises of God. The Bible says that the promises of God, uh, you know, come to us through faith and through patience, that we, we pursue those, those promises and, and unlock those blessings. So there's a whole lot of verses in Proverbs about laziness. I'll just give you one. Uh, it says here, Proverbs 10.4, lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. Okay, the next one is kind of its, its uh, corollary kind of principle is work hard. Proverbs 14.23, all work, all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Are you working hard? Are you going for it? God blesses the diligence, okay? Uh, and so let's, let's work hard. A corollary to all of this, though, uh, is do not wear yourself out for riches. Proverbs 23, 4. Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust your own cleverness. God doesn't want us pursuing prosperity. He wants us pursuing him. He wants us living out righteously, his, his ways, and then we will be prosperous, but we do not seek prosperity. We seek the kingdom. We seek God. We seek to live out his truth. All of these things here are uh, work hard, do what God's called you to do, be kind to the poor, be generous, honor the Lord, recognize, you see what I'm saying? We're seeking him, we're not seeking money. We're not seeking that stuff. Uh, and so don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. It's a fool's journey, it's a fool's life. And so many people have come to the end of their life and they realize they, they ran the wrong race. And they look back and they said, well, I've spent my whole life trying to acquire stuff, trying to gain stuff, trying to add another zero to my bank account. And 
It was the wrong race to run. It's the wrong race to run. Don't run that race. It's a fool's race. Prosperity, principle number nine, save. Proverbs 13, 11 tells us dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow, so you should save money consistently. Proverbs 21, 20, you need to have an emergency fund. The Bible says the wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulps theirs down. Americans live on 100 and what, 1% or 110% of what they make. So we're, we're, we're consuming everything plus some. The Bible says don't. You need to have storage. You need to have an emergency fund is how I would put it. Proverbs 13, 22, leave an inheritance for your grandchildren. It says a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. In other words, you are supposed to leave a legacy. You're not supposed to consume everything. You're supposed to leave this place better than it was when you came. You're supposed to be a blessing. You're supposed to leave a mark. You can be a blessing to your family, and and God says, be a blessing to your grandchildren. So my goal is to fulfill that scripture. I'm not going to use up everything. I want to be a blessing to my grandkids someday. I don't have any grandkids, but, you know, I'm already thinking about that. I am going to be a blessing to my grandkids. That is an honorable, godly man and godly woman who doesn't just think of themselves, but thinks of others and thinks of their family and their legacy. The last principle here is pay attention to your accounts. Uh, Yes, you do need to pay your bills. You should have a budget. Okay, you should balance your checkbook. Proverbs 27, 23 says, be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. You should know your resources. You should pay attention. You should have good practices in all of that. Um, So I'm gonna close our service with a couple things. First of all, I wanna wanna invite Dwayne and Chris Vickerman, one of our elders, just to come and uh, just share with us, pray with us. Uh, And after they're done with that, I want to invite Nate and Kaylee, where are you guys at? Right back there. And uh, I want to invite them to come forward as well. And we're going to pray for them because this is their last Sunday with us before they move to North Carolina and continue to serve in the military as a doctor down there. And uh, we want to bless them too. So Dwayne and Chris, you guys want to come and share with us? Yeah. Uh, no. Good talk. Okay. Well, good afternoon, everyone. It's uh, just a pleasure. Morning. Morning. It's a. <laughs> this is my wife. You noticed the other day we was up front. I held that picture of her. She didn't have a lot to say, but she's already gotten me going here. But that's all right. That's what a woman's for. She did correct us. She's our second Holy Spirit. You better be listening, guys. You better be listening. Right? See, I got okay. <laughs> but anyways, what Tim has said today, boy, there's a lot of seed that was planted. Oh, my goodness. A lot of good stuff. You know, and people that don't know the Lord grasp these principles. Here they are, the farmers out there. They know it's the soil that draws the seed to sprout. What kind of soil do you have? Where's the soil in a human being? It's his heart. Where's the treasure in your heart? What are you thinking about every day? What are you feeding this animal that's inside you? This journey can be pleasant. It can be joyful. But what are you feeding that animal? There's, there's two. I, I talked to a man the other day, and I said, there's two, in, two individuals, two wolves in you that are trying to get all your attention. There's a good wolf and a bad wolf. It's an old Indian proverb. What are you feeding it? Proverbs, I mean, in in Philippians, it talks about... I'm trying to remember it here. Think on those things that are right, those things that are pure, those things that are lovely, those things that are worthwhile. What are you thinking about? What are you feeding inside of you? Are you feeding the evil? Are you doubting? Are you condemning? Oh, I don't have no friends. Oh, I'm just, I'm this poor man that just walks around and eats all worms all day. No, you don't have to be that way. Feed, feed that heart with where your treasure is. Feed it with goodness, purity, lovingness. You don't have friends? 
That's poverty. Why don't you have friends? Are you speaking life to those people? Are you reaching out and being a friend? You want friends? Be a friend. You want a miracle? Walk into a miracle. You want a good life? Start producing a good life. Positively, not negatively. You got problems? You got a mountain before you? Speak to that mountain. Tell it to be a plain, and it'll flatten out. Because God is for you. He has a plan for you. It's a plan to prosper you. It's not evil. God wants you to have the best life that you can have. But that's walking in joy and peace and love and kindness. You want love? Give it out. You stop loving. You stop giving. And you become stagnant. You're not moving forward. You're not moving backwards. Give, like Tim says. Give it away. It'll be pressed down, shaken over, and running. Running over. But that's another story. God is good. We just got to trust in him. And that, that trust in him is keeping him in front of you every day. Like I said, the farmers know this. What do they do to their fields? They nourish them. They feed them. They put nitrogen in them. All the chemicals that need to grow and draw that seed to do something. It'll sprout. It'll grow. But it has to have the right nurturance. Do we put the right nutrients in our own selves? These young people, we got to hear from you. You have a different way of thinking, and, and, and then what do we do? God hasn't changed. We haven't changed, but your thinking is different. And we want to know how to grasp the young people, because that's our future. That's our life. So we ask you to speak into the elders. Speak into the pastors. Let them know and understand how you're thinking. What appeals to you? What draws you? We have to have a seed to plant, and we can give that good soil back to you through the seed that like pastor sowed today. Life is good. Okay. This morning when Tim asked if we had anything that we could encourage you with and share with you, I, I thought, no, probably not. But then God gave me something, so I believe it's for me and you. Um, since I had my accident in January, God has... He has miraculously been healing my my leg and my hip. But it seems like for the last month, I haven't been feeling the healing's been going on. Um, I know it is. I know he is miraculously healing me. But I haven't been feeling the healing. And so discouragement has been trying to come in. And so I'm, I'm fighting that and I'm saying no Lord it, I know I know you're healing me and the, and the doctor said well it may take up to a year and I said oh, no, no you know, I won't receive that no it's not going to happen, happen and he goes well I know you so it's not going to happen in you but you know it, but those words keep coming, coming back to me that it might take a year and so whenever discouragement tries to come at me I no, no, I'm not receiving that. I know God is healing me. And I'm the kind of person that I'm, I'm just uh, zit, zit, zit everywhere. Like I'm always in the fast lane. I was always in the fast lane. You know, get this done, get up, get that done, get up, get that done. And now I feel like a sloth. Like, get this done. <laughs> Rest. Get this done. And that's so against how my personality is so I'm having to rely on the Lord a lot in um, that I know I know he's healing me I know so I'm encouraging me but I'm also encouraging you because I know a lot of you have something that you're waiting for the Lord to take care of and you feel it's it's not there so this encouragement for all of us the Lord is in it in all of, all of what all of us are, you know, what, whatever it is, like Dwayne said, the mountain, whatever it is, God is there, and he is working through it. So I encourage you, and I encourage me. Amen. Don't get discouraged. 
in doing good or seeking God. Be encouraged. But it's God in you that's working out of you. The hope, the hope of glory, the hope of goodness, the hope of friendship, the hope, hope of love. It's God in you. And if you're having difficulties and problems, Chris and I will be here. We'll pray with you. Because you are an overcomer. You are victorious because God is in you. He's for you. He's not against you. You've got to believe that. You've got to know who you are and trust who you are. God said it's finished. By golly, that means it's finished. You have everything available at your feet. Amen. Just to walk in and grasp it and say, yes, Lord, I know you're for me. Forgive me for lack and not trusting. I know I'm. Thank you, Lord. You gave me the mic. You shouldn't have gave me a mic. <laughs> Let's stand together. And would you guys pray for, for us, um, especially for those who are dealing with some sort of discouragement, like you've been challenged to overcome. And let's just pray for, pray for one another, okay? Yes, Thank I want to just bless you with a prayer that God says he's for you, not against you. Thank so, you, Jesus. Lord, just touch their hearts. Let them take that seed. Father, let them renew their mind for that as their regional act of worship. Father, so renew their minds now. Let them trust in what was being said, that seed was planted, and it'll sprout, it'll grow, and you'll prosper. Father, we come against the evil one who tries to bring the world down on us so heavy it just seems to crush our spirit. But it can't do that. It can't trust your spirit because God is there, creator of all things. No evil shall overcome you. I have overcome the world, so you are an overcomer. Thank you, so believe in that with all your heart, mind, and soul. Have, have no fear. God has given us a sound mind. So trust in that sound mind. Walk in that sound mind. Inviting Christ into your life in all things. Don't get on automatic pilot. You have gifts that you can just walk into and do. God says, invite me into all things, even into your giftings. Your giftings can be a problem to you if you allow them to function without God. Trust in God. Lean on his, his understanding, not your understanding. All your ways acknowledge him, and your path will be set straight. He'll be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path, trusting in him. In Jesus' name, Thank you, amen. Lord. Amen, amen. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Uh, Nate and Kaylee, would you guys come? We want to pray for Nate and Kaylee as they're coming. Uh, I just want to say that as you guys leave this service this morning. We have a special treat for you. Uh, in honor of Nate and Kaylee, we had some ladies make some nice little treats. Uh, so out in the foyer on your way out, you can uh, have a little extra treat this morning and thank these guys. These guys have been with us for a few years. Nate shared a couple times this uh, past couple of months. Uh, they're a blessing. They've, we've been in life group together. And uh, Nate and Kaylee, you guys both serve uh, you used to, right? And now you are still serving in our, uh, in our service as a doctor now to North Carolina. So I want to just bless them. I want you to pray with me. They just had a baby, little David and Lenora. Uh, so we want to send those guys with our, our blessing. And uh, maybe you can give them a quick high five or a hug before you go today. Okay, let's extend our hand of blessing to these guys. Thank you, Lord. Good to see you guys. Lord, we just thank you for this couple and this family. Thank you for their heart, Lord, for you. Thank you for the, uh, the gifts that they shared with us while they were with us. Thank you for uh, Nate's teaching and uh, just our friendships. Lord, we just now want to bless them as they go to North Carolina. Lord, as their, as their spiritual family here, we send them with your blessing. We pray your favor to surround them like a shield. Yet your favor will go before them and continue to lead them and guide them in their new home with new relationships, with a great new church, and in Nate's new role. And uh, just be with this family, Lord, in a special way. We love them. We send them with your love. We pray that they will fulfill the purpose, God, that you have created for their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. God bless you guys. Amen. Well, maybe you guys should get the first treats. <laughs> All right, let me bless you guys, and then... Um, as, as we dismiss, if you guys want to go ahead and sing a song as we dismiss, we'll have prayer teams available as well. If you just want to come and get some personal support, some personal prayer, I would highly encourage you, okay? In the meantime, may the Lord bless you and keep you. 
and the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, give you his peace, his shalom, that nothing would be missing, nothing would be broken in your life. He is our healer. He's our provider. He's the sustainer. Lord, you are all that we need. I pray, God, that you will just enrich our souls today. May the prosperity of the Lord be upon our lives as we walk out your principles. May we truly shine in this dark and lost and hurting world. May our life produce, not consume. May we be a blessing this week. May others be built up and encouraged because of us, because of you in us and through us. May the church be alive and filled to overflowing this week and everywhere we go in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. God bless you. Have a great